Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Virtue Podcast. My name is Zenovia Bernier, and this session is about biblical womanhood. I want to begin with a biblical truth. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. That's Genesis 1.27. I'm sure most, if not all of you, have read that verse before. I think it's safe to say that the topic of womanhood and what that means has become one of the most talked about topics in our country these days, hasn't it? And not only is it talked about so much, but it's also become controversial in our current culture. But we're not here to add to the controversy. We don't need to. What we are going to do is talk about what womanhood should look like today in 2023. Womanhood, not based on feelings or public opinion, but womanhood based on the only source of truth on which we must stand, which is the Word of God. Ladies, the world has always been an evil place, but now we just notice it more since we live in a culture where sin is celebrated and promoted. It's no longer subtle. The darkness of this world has become more blatant and more normalized and, unfortunately, more accepted in the lives of many believers. Now, we will never be perfect on this side of heaven, but we ought to be moving towards holiness with a consistent and conscious intent on pleasing God. The Lord doesn't want to see His daughters walking in the opposite direction of the path that brings Him glory. That's why it's so important that we understand our calling as Christian women, both in principle and in practice. So today we're going to talk about how to live out God's plan and purpose for us as women in the current culture while guarding ourselves from becoming like the current culture. And it all comes down to this. Biblical womanhood cannot be successfully lived out without a complete reliance on the Bible. Where does the term biblical come from? Well, the Bible, right? The Bible is where we learn how we ought to live our lives as women of God. And I'm not just talking about the messages that we hear during Sunday service or a verse of the day that gets posted on our social media feed. Those are good things for sure. But what I'm talking about is the extent to which we invite and allow God to use His Word to inundate every aspect of our lives, even, and I would argue especially, in the areas where living by God's standards is in direct opposition of current cultural standards and we're feeling the pressure of it. If I were to ask you to categorize your walk as a Christian woman, where would you say that you are? I created three categories. I want you to answer this question quickly. Take three seconds tops. Regarding biblical womanhood, does your walk with God right now suggest that you are, number one, conforming, number two, confusing, or number three, compromising? I'll say it again. Does your walk with God right now suggest that you are conforming, confusing, or compromising? Okay, you should have your answer by now, and if you weren't sure, that's okay. Now, let me ask you this. How do you think the Lord would classify your understanding of and commitment to biblical womanhood today based on the way you live? And when I say the way you live, I'm talking about how you act and react, both in public and in private, the way you think, the way you speak, the way you dress, and the way you prioritize the things in your life. If your answer changed to a humbler estimation of yourself after adding the Lord's evaluation into the equation, it's probably a good thing. Now, we're living in the last days. Aside from those of you who have lived much of your life as the only Christian in your household, 
I will venture to say that for the rest of us, it feels as though there is much more at stake if we choose to live out our beliefs as followers of Christ than there used to be. Now, I'm going to make myself sound like an old lady here, but back in my day when I was younger, being a Christian woman was admirable. Or at the very least, most people, even if they didn't agree with you, they would still respect you. Well, those days are gone. The enemy has ramped up his persecution of believers, not to the extent to which is coming, but we feel it, right? Especially those of us who work in a non-Christian environment or go to school or have children in the public school or who live with non-believers. How do we deal with this as women of God and ensure that we don't sacrifice our biblical womanhood? Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.1, Therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. This command is for all of us. Remember what Genesis 1.27 says. We were made in the image of God. All of us, regardless of our race, our age, our upbringing, our socioeconomic status, we were all made in the image of the same God, and therefore we all ought to reflect the same image, His image, by the way that we live. Ladies, no matter if you're 18 or 80, your call as a woman remains the same. Your day-to-day tasks and responsibilities may vary, but your call is the same, because God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and always. That's what it says in His Word in Malachi 3 and Hebrews 13. So I want to caution you against believing that the path to holiness as a Christian woman in 2023 has changed just because our culture is changing. God still commands holiness because He is holy. If we truly want to exemplify biblical womanhood in our culture, we must imitate God. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a specific haircut on someone that you liked and took a picture to your stylist so he or she could cut your hair to look just like the picture. Well, they don't just grab the scissors and start cutting, right? No, they carefully study it and plan how to cut your hair so that you resemble the desired look. Or perhaps you've seen the way someone does their makeup and it's beautiful and you want to imitate that look. So you might take the time to carefully study it. If you're tech savvy, you may even check out tutorials on YouTube with step-by-step instructions. Maybe it's not YouTube for you. Maybe it's Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, or something else. But you get what I mean. Regardless of what it is, there's some sort of careful study or learning to which we are willing to commit to achieve the desired look. And the same should hold true for our walk as Christian women. There should be careful, ongoing study and learning so that we can successfully imitate the Lord. That's our desired look. And God left us a perfect model in Jesus Christ. 1 John 2.6 Whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself, just as he walked and conducted himself. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 said, Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. You know, the enemy would like us to believe that as our culture changes, so should our commitment to holiness. And it's an absolute lie. But this lie is convincing women to become more confused and begin compromising. A friend of mine recently posted this quote that she saw. It said, Satan's biggest fear is for you to become what God created you to be. This is why he has tried everything to make you lose focus. It's so true. Satan would like you to believe that your identity as a woman is wrapped up in something other than what it should be. Here are a few of the the ways in which he wants to rob you of or confuse you about your womanhood. 
whether or not you're married, whether or not you have children, whether or not you have a boyfriend if you're single, whether or not you have a great job and are an independent woman, whether or not you have good grades and are better than everyone else, whether or not you have a particular position in the church, whether or not you have the perfect body or the perfect home or the perfect clothes or the perfect social media feed. Ladies, our identity has nothing to do with any of these things. Our identity is in Christ and Christ alone. Colossians 3, 2-3. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth, for you die to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Don't lose focus. Listen, being a wife is a noble thing. It's a high calling from God. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you fear the Lord. So imitate the Lord in your marriage. Obey His word, even when you don't want to, even when your husband doesn't deserve it, even when he's rejecting God. For those of you who are struggling in your marriage, seek biblical help. Go to the church. Speak with the pastor. Go to Bible study. Get prayer. Get practical, biblical advice for how to be the wife that God has called you to be. 1 Peter 3, 1-6 You wives, be submissive to your own husbands, subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands and their accountability to God, and so partnering with them so that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of their wives. When they see your modest and respectful behavior together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. Your adornment must not be merely external, with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry, or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes. But let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, one that is calm and self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. That's biblical womanhood. Being a mother is a blessing. The Lord says to be fruitful and multiply. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to fear the Lord and become more like Him. So while you raise your children, your focus shouldn't be on giving them everything you didn't have. Listen, moms, you didn't need some of the things that you didn't have, and they probably don't need some of the things they do have. What they need is a mom who fears the Lord in her home, at soccer practice, at the grocery store, in the car, at church, when you speak with others and when you speak with them. They need to hear you be honest, take responsibility, and apologize when you've messed up. They need to see you go to the scriptures when you don't know what to do. They need to see you pray without ceasing about all things so that when they must make decisions, they have a model to follow. Oh, they will imitate you regardless. So take heed that you imitate Christ. And they not only need to see it in practice, but they need you to teach them how to do it. Yes, they will pick up on things implicitly, but they also need explicit instructions because the world is very explicit in what they're trying to teach your children. Of course, be age-appropriate, but be proactive. Teach them about holiness and purity and why they're important. Teach your sons from an early age to respect you and their sisters. Teach them how to respect other girls so they don't treat them the way so many men treat women these days. The verses in Proverbs 31 that so many of us women love to meditate on was written by a mother instructing her son. Use them. Teach your daughters from an early age how to be modest. 
Teach them how to respect boys by respecting God so that they don't go around believing that the only way they can be validated is by lowering their standards to that of the world. Don't expect it to just happen, moms. Jesus didn't expect us to figure things out just because we call ourselves Christians. He tells us over and over in His Word what to do, what not to do, and why. He's explicit in His instruction. Imitate Christ in that way. Fear the Lord because He's tasked you with a great responsibility that only He can equip you for. Don't wait until they're teenagers and they're starting to rebel. They need to learn these things much sooner because they have a lot more to deal with than we ever had when we were kids. As a public school educator, I speak with a burden in my heart for your children because I see firsthand what they're up against. Fear the Lord in your role as a mother. That's biblical womanhood. To the single gals, having a boyfriend and moving towards marriage can be a wonderful thing if that guy is sold out for Jesus. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you fear the Lord. And if your relationship with a guy is causing you to sin or pull away from God by tolerating sin, then he's not the guy for you. Because you cannot live out biblical womanhood by doing the things that draw you away from obeying the Bible. We cannot imitate Christ while indulging in sin. It can't be done. Don't lose focus. No guy is worth waning in your commitment towards holiness. Don't settle for it breaks God's heart and grieves the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5 God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Psalm 119.9 How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. That's biblical womanhood. Having a good job or good grades is wonderful. We should strive for excellence. But it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you fear the Lord and imitate Christ in your workplace or in your school, even if you're the only one doing it, even if it costs you a promotion because you showed integrity and didn't cheat, even if it costs you a grade on an assignment because you spoke the truth and your teacher didn't like it, even if it means you don't get picked for the team. Colossians 3, 23-24 Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. So as you go to work, as you go to school, remember your calling as a daughter of the King. That's biblical womanhood. Serving in the church is something we should all be doing. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2 tells us that. But the position or title is not the most important thing. We must remember that we serve the Lord, and our service to Him must be approached with humility and reverence. You know, the Bible has many examples of women who feared the Lord in their service. We can look to Anna in the book of Luke as an example of how to be a woman of prayer who told everyone about the impending birth of Jesus. Or to Deborah, the prophetess and only female judge in the book of Judges, who, despite all the evil around her, stayed committed to applying God's word to her service to him. Or to Eunice in 2 Timothy, who was commended for her sincere faith and how she passed that on to her son. Or Dorcas in the book of Acts, who was charitable. Or Priscilla, who's mentioned in several of Paul's letters, who supported and served alongside him. Or Phoebe, who it says in Acts was a helper of many. 
All these women exercised their gifts with grace. They stood out to the Lord because their service was sincere. It wasn't about position or being seen. For them, it was about making the Lord seen. Imitate God and fear the Lord in your service. That's biblical womanhood. I mentioned having the perfect clothes or the perfect body. Listen, the only branding that we need to concern ourselves with is the seal of the Holy Spirit that is given to those who accept Jesus as their Savior. And regarding our bodies, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit and we're to glorify God in them. In the description of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, it says, She surrounds her waist with strength and makes her arms strong. We need to think about the things that we eat and drink, how much exercise we do, and how much sleep we get. Because if we're breaking ourselves down by being lazy, gluttonous, or merely neglectful of our health, we won't be as useful to the Lord as we can be. So yes, as women, we should care about our bodies. But it's not the most important thing. We shouldn't obsess about them. We shouldn't be so fixated on perfection that we cause ourselves harm. Nor should we be so pleased with our bodies that we're displaying them for the world to see. It's disheartening to see girls in school dressed in such a way that their bodies are on full display. They're willing to go to such lengths to be noticed. They believe that looking nice or pretty means exposing their bodies. It's uncomfortable for me, and I'm a woman. These poor boys and men, it's in their faces all the time. How are they supposed to look the other way when everywhere they turn, there's another girl or another woman with things popping out? You know what I mean about things, right? Tank tops and underslips are our friends. Girls, hide your business from everyone but your husband. Cover it up. And to just call it a problem with the youth is short-sighted. It's not just happening in the younger generation. Ladies, we need to make sure that what we wear or don't wear is not causing our brothers in Christ to stumble nor confusing those who don't yet know the Lord. We mustn't use our bodies to gain attention or approval. It's not pleasing to God. In Luke 17, Jesus warns against those who cause someone else to stumble. In our context, it would mean knowingly putting on or leaving off clothing so that you can tempt a man to lust after you. Yes, they need to use self-control, but Jesus warns us not to entice them. We need to be conscious of that before we walk out the door each day. It's not outdated. It's not old-fashioned. Modesty is still the standard for biblical womanhood. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. I also mentioned having the perfect home or social media feed. Listen, nobody's home is perfect all the time, and nobody's life is as fantastic as it may seem on social media. That said, the Bible is clear in Titus that we are to take care of our homes, whether it's your home or your room if you don't have your own home. Your home doesn't have to be big or fancy, but it should be a place where your husband's like returning each day, where your kids like spending time, where we can practice hospitality, and where those who don't know the Lord can walk in and sense something different and alluring about our household. And what we post on social media should reflect who we are as women of God. We were made in His image, and our posts should convey that. Ladies, we've got to keep meditating on the Bible and allowing it to conform us into His image so that we're not confusing anyone about who we say we worship versus how we live our lives, and so that we're not compromising our witness to fit in with the times. Now, when you take a group photo and you get to see it, who's the first person your eyes focus on? Well, yourself, right? We all do it. And what do you do if you look a little wacky and you don't like the image? Press delete, right? 
Can we do it again? Let's try this again. We want to make sure that the image captures our best look, we, so we adjust the way we stand or where our eyes are focused. Well, what if we applied that same practice to our spiritual lives as women? If the image we're quote-unquote posting to the world doesn't look good, delete it. Go back to the scriptures, learn the best way to stand so that the only image we reflect is Jesus Christ. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Him, our minds transformed by His Word, our ears tuned into His voice, our bodies pure for His good work, and our character reflective of His image. But we definitely can't do it on our own, right? We need the help of the Holy Spirit, and we need each other. You young ladies, whether you know it or not, you need older Christian women in your lives. Who cares if their style is different or weird and they reminisce too much about the good old days? Yes, times have changed, but God has not. These women have wisdom that comes with life experience from the mistakes they've made and the victories they've gained. And they've been commanded by God in Titus 2 to share that wisdom with you. Don't disregard their instruction. Older ladies, you need the younger women in your lives. Who cares if their style is different or weird? And the good old days are gone, okay? Don't look back so much on the past that you lose sight of what these younger women are facing in the present. They need your prayers, encouragement, wisdom, patience, and compassion. And remember, these young women may end up marrying your sons, your grandsons, or your nephews. Invest in their lives. My friends Lakinya and Debbie have been mentoring a group of young women for a couple of years now. They love these girls. They do Bible studies together in the summer when our virtue study breaks. They meet throughout the year as a group and one-on-one. They pray for them regularly. They're invested in the lives of these girls and aren't even their daughters. I talk to Debbie a lot, and I hear in her voice how much she loves them. That's biblical womanhood. Ladies, fear the Lord. Imitate God, and let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, whether it be in person or on a podcast, as some people do, but encourage one another as women of God, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that your divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Give us strength to imitate Christ no matter the cost, and help us encourage one another as we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you girls.